Hello there, faithful listener. You've tuned in to season seven of the Bible Explained podcast. So make sure to grab your cup of coffee because today we are going to be discussing the book of Acts. Hello there, friends and faithful listeners, and welcome to the Bible Explained podcast. I hope you had a really great weekend and also a great Monday as well. I actually went on a youth retreat on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I got back Sunday afternoon with the kids. It was a great time. I really enjoyed it, but thank goodness I had Monday's episode pre-recorded because when I got home Sunday, I was dead. I was dead to the world because I had gotten maybe eight hours of sleep over the past two days. And so I was not doing well. And even Monday when I woke up, I just had the worst headache because, you know, sleep deprivation and stuff. So (laughs) the retreat overall went very well. I think the kids really enjoyed it and not only enjoyed it, but I think they also needed it spiritually as well. They really seemed to enjoy the preacher that was down there and enjoy all the worship music. It really just seemed to be a good experience overall for all of the kids and even for the the youth leaders that went down as well. It was a nice bonding time for us also. But yeah, I'm back from the retreat and I'm ready to read some scripture. So let's read Acts chapter 20 verses 1 through 12 today. And I'll be reading actually out of a different version of scripture. This is the CSB Bible that I'll be reading out of today. I recently got interested in this version of scripture because it is actually what we use on Wednesday nights for the youth ministry. After reading through it for about a year now, personally, and with the students, I actually ended up really liking the CSB Bible. And so I ended up going to the CSB Bible today to read this portion of scripture. And I liked the way the CSB worded some of it. So let's read Acts chapter 20, and I'll be reading out of the CSB. But of course, don't feel like you have to read out of the CSB. You can read out of the version that you prefer to read out of, or just listen along if you can't pick up a Bible right now and listen in. But once again, this is Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 12. After the uproar was over, Paul sent for the disciples, encouraged them, and after saying farewell, departed to go to Macedonia. And when he had passed through those areas and offered them many words of encouragement, he came to Greece and stayed there for three months. The Jews plotted against him when he was about to set sail for Syria, and so he decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy, and Tychicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. These men went ahead and waited for us in Trous, but we sailed away from Philippi after the festival of unleavened bread. In five days we reached them at Trous, and we spent seven days. On the first day of the week, we assembled to break bread. Paul spoke to them, and since he was about to depart the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the room upstairs where we were assembled, and a young man named Eutychus was sitting on a windowsill and sank into a deep sleep as Paul kept on talking. When he was overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was picked up dead. But Paul went down, bent over him, embraced him, and said, Don't be alarmed because he is alive. After going upstairs, breaking the bread and eating, Paul talked a long time until dawn. Then he left. They brought the boy home alive 
and were greatly comforted. So where we left off on Thursday, Paul was in Ephesus and this big giant riot actually happened because the people who made little idols and little images of the goddess Artemis were getting very angry at Paul and about Christianity because they were no longer able to sell their little idols or rather business was no longer booming because people were turning away from idolatry and turning towards Christianity. And so since Christianity and idolatry don't go hand in hand, obviously these artisans were no longer able to sell their little idols. So the artisans, the craftsmen, whatever you want to call them, got very, very angry. And so this riot ended up starting where everybody's screaming, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And so this riot happened for about two hours until basically the mayor of the city stood up and addressed the crowd and was like, you know, these Christians haven't done anything wrong. If the craftsmen are angry at the Christians, let them take them to court. Basically, you know, the courts are open for that. And we'll discuss it in a more civil manner. But otherwise, this riot is unnecessary. We're going to get in trouble with Rome. So everybody needs to go home. And that's what happens. So now Acts chapter 20 is directly after that entire riot happens. So it says in verse one that after the uproar was over or the riot, Paul sent for the disciples, encouraged them, and after saying farewell, departed to go to Macedonia. So this riot was big enough that Paul decided it was time to leave. And we'll often see Christians doing this in the New Testament. If too much of a problem arises or if their lives or other Christians' lives are in danger, you'll often see them leave. And this is actually biblical. Jesus told his disciples that they should go out to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And not only should they you know, go out into the world, but when they get insulted or, you know, mistreated in a city that the disciples were actually supposed to leave that city and go someplace safer that was more open to the gospel. And Jesus told them to do that multiple times. He told them to leave a city if they were rejected, you know, shake the even the sand off of their clothes from that city, almost like a curse. You don't want any part of that city on you. And so the disciples would shake their clothes off symbolically. So there is nothing unbiblical about leaving an area if your life is on the line because you are a Christian. In fact, it is very biblical to do so. So Paul, knowing that, decides to leave. So he gathers all the Christians together in Ephesus. He gives them some encouragement and he says words of goodbye and he departs basically immediately and goes to the next area. And that next area was going to be Macedonia. So he goes to Macedonia and he it says passed through those areas and offered them many words of encouragement and then went to Greece. So we don't know how long Paul was in Macedonia, but We do know that this little portion of Acts 20 verses 1 through 6 talks a lot about Paul's various travels without giving a lot of details. So we have very little knowledge of what happened during this time period and where Paul specifically went and what good was done in these areas. But Paul eventually comes to Greece and it doesn't say specifically what city he went to, but he He goes to Greece once again, and he stayed in Greece for three months. But some Jews, it says very briefly here, plotted against him when he was about to set sail for Syria. And so he decided to go back through Macedonia. So Paul was about to travel down to Syria when 
some Jews once again were threatening his life and Paul finds out about it. And so instead of going onto the ship to go to Syria, he decides to go onto another ship and go back down through Macedonia, possibly because the plot was going to take place while Paul was on that ship to Syria is very likely. And Paul found out about that and decided not to go on that ship and to go somewhere else. So Paul ends up going back to Macedonia and he was accompanied by several people during this time as well. So Peter, Aristarchus and Secundus, Gaius from Derby, Timothy, of course, and Tychicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. So all of these men were accompanying Paul in the ministry and serving the ministry, the gospel of Jesus together, which is very interesting because if you look at Aristarchus and Secundus, it's very possible based on their names alone that Aristarchus was the master of Secundus because they were both from Thessalonica. Aristarchus is where we get the word aristocrat from. So it was a name that was typically given to somebody of this time period who was an aristocrat, who was from a very prominent family. And Secundus, that name means the second, which was a very common name to give to slaves. So Aristarchus and Secundus, since they're both from the same area, it's very possible that they were a master and slave team that went with Paul and served with Paul. And why this is so significant is because back in these days and basically throughout all of history where there was a slave and master situation, the master was always above the slave in every single situation. But if you go to Galatians chapter three and read verses 26 through 28, and this is out of the NIV, it says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there a male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And what that those verses mean is that it doesn't matter anymore our socioeconomic standing. It doesn't matter our gender. It doesn't matter our race. It doesn't matter even whether we're Jewish or non-Jewish. Because when we finally decide to believe in Jesus, we are all considered equal under Jesus. There is nobody that is better than another person based upon their race or their gender or anything like that. We are all 100% equal. And if you think about this further, the Holy Spirit chooses to live in each person who accepts Jesus as their savior, right? He doesn't go around looking for the prettiest person or the richest person or the most masculine person or the most feminine person. He chooses to live inside of each and every one of us who accept Jesus as our savior. So Aristarchus and Secundus traveled together and they both became equals according to Christianity, even though the world would look at Aristarchus as being superior over Secundus, right? Christianity says that all people are created equal. All people are one in Jesus Christ and that we all are the image of God. And so none of us are above another person, even though the world likes to say that we are based upon our wealth or based upon 
this factor or that factor or the color of our skin or something along those lines. That is absolutely not true in regards to Christianity. But moving forward, it says all these men that accompanied Paul went ahead and waited for us in Trous is what it says in verse five. So Luke is now a part of the group again, because Luke, as the author of Acts, includes himself in this. He says us. So it looks like at some point in time, Luke actually met up with Paul and sailed with him to Trous after the feast of the unleavened bread is what it says in verse six. So five days later, Luke and a handful of other people and Paul stay at Trous and they spent seven days there. So then it goes into this very interesting story. It says on the first day of the week, we assembled to break bread. Now, this would have been a Sunday because it says it was the first day of the week. And maybe this portion of scripture is where most churches now meet on Sundays because of this. But um, the reason they ended up meeting on a Sunday in this verse instead of on a Saturday, like was the normal custom, was because Paul was about to leave. He was going to leave the next morning. So Monday morning. So Paul decided to address everybody and they were all eating together. And so Paul starts speaking. It says, and his sermon went on until midnight. And so there's this young man who is sitting in the windowsill on the third floor. Okay. So this was a very tall building. It seems like that they were in. And this young boy was named Eutychus. It's midnight. It's very late. The candles are shining and everything is very cozy inside this room. And Eutychus, this young boy, start, which, who is probably like a teenager, by the way, Eutychus starts falling deeper and deeper in sleep. And he was sitting in the windowsill, not thinking about how precarious the situation is because teenagers are very silly people. And so he's sitting in the windowsill, falling asleep in the window. So he falls deep in sleep and then falls out of the window and lands awkwardly on his fall down three stories below. And it says that he died. That is what Luke says. He died. He was sitting on the windowsill. He sank into deep sleep as Paul kept on talking. It says he fell down from the third story and was picked up dead. So, of course, after everybody sees this happen, you know, everybody runs out of the building and are looking for Eutychus down on the ground. And he somebody picked him up and he was dead is what it says. And I'm sure the entire congregation that was there was distraught over this. Absolutely distraught. How couldn't you be distraught over somebody so young and vibrant dying such a horrible death like that? But Paul bends down over him and embraces the boy. And he says, don't be alarmed. He is alive. And then the entire congregation actually goes back. And here's where the story gets kind of interesting, because whether or not the boy was revived right then and there is actually not clear. If I can add in my two cents, which I always do anyway, (laughs) I think it's probably that the boy did awaken after Paul said he was alive and they brought him into the building again. Paul continued his speech, but now everybody is super interested because of this miracle that happened. I don't think the people would have been able to sit there and listen to Paul with so much gusto until daybreak if Eutychus was just lying outside as if dead, right? And nobody had come and gotten him and took him into the house. So that's why I personally think that Eutychus awoke right after Paul said that he was alive. And Eutychus probably went back in with everybody. Everybody was greatly comforted. They saw this amazing miracle take place. 
and they were revived. So even though they had to go to work in the morning, they wanted to hear what Paul had to say. And they ended up staying awake, listening to Paul the entire night until daybreak when Paul had to leave to go on a ship to the next place. And when everybody else had to go home and start getting ready for the workday, that's how excited everybody was to listen to Paul because they had just seen God perform a great miracle through Paul and they were invigorated. They were excited and they were willing to stay awake the entire night to hear what Paul had to say after all of that happened. But regardless, he was alive. He was once dead and now he was alive. And Luke includes the story in here because it was an amazing miracle. That is what God can do. He can bring people to life again. Who else can do that? No one. No one else can do that. God is the only one who can give people life again after death. Faithful listeners, I hope that you look at all the links listed in the description of this podcast episode and that you click each one and uh, check out just everything else that the Bible Explained podcast does or that P40 Ministries does. And P40 Ministries is the ministry that backs this podcast. It is the ministry that I started. But I hope that you all have a fantastic rest of your day. And I will see you guys tomorrow for an episode out of First Samuel. Happy listening and God bless.